You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, everybody. It's so great to be joining you uh, online, wherever you're at, meeting home churches all across this region, all across our country, even around the world. It's great to have you joining us. We're in a series on the miracles of Jesus, and uh, we're in part three of this series. Uh, we're going to be taking several weeks to go through most of the, many of the miracles of Jesus, the ones that we can't hit on the weekends. We're going to be doing, we're doing daily devotionals uh, every day, Monday through Thursday, on all of the miracles. So we'll be able to, to kind of study all of the miracles through the summer, uh, and we're we're really excited about that. The miracles of Jesus are actually a perfect lens for us to see the character of Jesus, to find out who he is and what he's about, and, and really looking for clues, not, not just to his identity, which we will see who he is, but also clues to his way, like how he lives and, uh, and how he treats people and his heart towards others, his commitment uh, of compassion to those who are broken. And so today's miracle, um, we're going to see how Jesus was breaking down barriers, constantly um, breaking down barriers that, that separated people from people, and, uh, and really honoring a life of faith. And so if you have a Bible with you, if you don't, um, and you're online, uh, there's uh, version is there. You can grab that uh, just right online as well. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 5. Uh, this is the, uh, it's titled, The Faith of a Roman Officer. And so in verse 5, chapter 8, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to stop throughout this, this passage, this narrative, and talk a little bit about this. This person in particular was a, a centurion, a Gentile, a Roman uh, soldier. And it's, it's significant that Jesus has um, a conversation with this man. It's significant that this man came to Jesus and that Jesus responded to him um, because Jesus grew up in a very Jewish home. I mean, that was, that was his upbringing. It was his understanding, his, his Jewish friends. And, and the, the prevailing stereotypes that they had of non-Jewish people. Um, he was enculturated to a specific way of thinking about other people outside of the Jewish tradition. And so Jesus was, grew up in that. And yet we see here his willingness to have a conversation with a man that typically Jews did not converse with. They just didn't have interaction with. They tried to avoid interactions uh, with non-Jewish or Gentiles, in this particular case a Roman. And so let's keep going. Verse 6, when a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. So this man is appealing to Jesus for help. He's crying out to Jesus for his servant who is sick. In, uh, in another uh, version of this story in, in Luke, it, it says that this servant was close to death. And so this, was the, this, this Roman soldier is appealing, like, Jesus, I need your help. Will you, you know, and, and Jesus says, well, I'll come. I'll come to your home. I mean, that's where the servant was, was in this man's home. And you have to know that it was not proper in Jewish tradition for Jesus to go into this man's home. Yet here we see Jesus was willing to walk into this man's life, into this man's home. And, and I love this because Jesus cares about what we care about. Regardless of what tradition you come from, regardless of what religion you hold to, regardless of what political party you're, you're involved with, Jesus hears the cries of people that call out to him for help and he responds. 
And that's what he does with this man. He cares about what we care about. He cared about what a Roman non-Jewish person cared about. And so Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And then verse eight, but the officer said, I love this, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. This, This picture of humility in this man, just say the word. Just say the word, man. Just, just say, just say it. Just, just say that, he, that my servant, your servant's healed. And I, I know that he'll be healed from where you are. Let me just say it right where you're at. You don't have to come to my house to do this and my servant will be healed. Verse nine, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this and they do it. And this man had an understanding of authority unlike most people understand authority. And what he's saying is that Jesus, your word, is enough. I don't need anything else. I mean, you can come with me and be in my home. That's fine. But I I know you and I know that you have the power, just your word to change, uh, to shift the environment, to make things happen in my life. And Jesus marvels at this man's faith. And he, and he said, and in verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. If you ever wonder what amazes Jesus, if you ever want to amaze Jesus, live a life of faith. That's what, that's what Matthew's saying to us. And so turning to those who are following him, by the way, mostly Jewish people, he said to them, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. I haven't seen faith like this with my homeboys. I haven't seen faith like this with the people that I, I typically hang with. Here is a Roman centurion, a Gentile, and he responds in just, just a word. Jesus, I just need your word. That's all I need. And Jesus marvels at this man's faith, faith to believe that his word is enough, faith to believe for someone else's illness and brokenness, faith to believe that cultural barriers won't hinder God. That's what this man had faith for. And so Jesus doubles, doubles down on his commitment to a group of people who are not in the in-group, who are not part of his circle. Check it out. I mean, he says, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And then he goes and tells this story. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus describing? He's describing a banquet. And this was uh, tradition in the Jewish uh, belief system. It's tradition as you, as you read through the Old Testament. You see this picture of a banquet, a feast that's going to happen uh, in the end of all days. And, 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 and what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to gather people. I'm going to gather people from all over the world, from every nation and tribe and tongue. And they're going to sit down with me and my people. And we will be one. But many Israelites, he just goes, Jesus just like goes right after it. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Well, Jesus, what is going, why would, why, what's wrong with the Israelites? He's talking about those who would fail to see what God is doing in reaching beyond barriers and inviting all who desire to to feast at this banquet with Jesus. There will be people who will say, I don't want to be a part of that. 
This is an exclusive thing. This is something that's just prepared for us and the in-group. And Jesus is like, no, it's not. It was never my intention. And then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. See, Jesus goes right after this idea that, that, that the kingdom of heaven is only for one certain group of people. He goes right after this idea that, 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 that Christianity is exclusive. He, he goes right after this idea of, of saying that, that my love is for everyone, everywhere. And in doing so, he echoes the word of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 25, thousands of years before Jesus comes into the scene, it says, In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. I love the detail. I think this is what Jesus is inviting us to together with all humanity that desire to have relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's like all are welcome. All are welcome. And the vision that John saw and recorded in the book of Revelation says this in Revelation chapter 7. After this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Jesus loves diversity, the diversity that he created. It's so beautiful to him that one day there's going to be a vast crowd too great to count of every tribe and language and people, of every, of every color and every nation will be represented in this moment. And they were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Salvation, reconciliation, reconciliation with God and with each other. That's what this picture is in Revelation chapter 7. That Jesus is calling his church to participate in, even today, the task of reconciliation. The task of opening our arms to those that are not like us. See, the miracles of Jesus give us, give us a clear model of, of being, of how to live the way of Jesus in our world. How, to live in the light of his character and his way. And to what quality will we live that life? The question for us is to what degree is my life and your life reflecting the extravagant love and compassion of Jesus? A couple things we see here, and the first thing we see in this narrative is that Jesus was willing to cross an important cultural boundary. It was a boundary that was, that was firm and fast and it was not movable and Jesus was willing to cross that boundary by entering into a Gentile's home. He was willing to go there. He would ask, actually he would ask Peter to do that very thing in Acts chapter 10 to go to Cornelius's home. He's asking his church to do that very thing today. This past week I was in Dallas. Um, it was a, a 
the board meeting of our denomination and, um, and I just was elected to be on that board and we were, we, they called the meeting in Dallas because when they called the meeting there was no, there was really no COVID going on there and of course once we got there there was a huge breakout and so we were pretty much quarantined in our hotel for an entire week. But we were sitting with, I was sitting with a group of 30 elders in our movement talking about the times that we were living in and it was an expression of the diversity of God's family that he wants to breathe over his church. One pastor, Antonio, he shared his story. Very first morning we were together of growing up under prejudice and racism. It was raw, it was hard to hear. But in him sharing his story, he invited us into his home. Antonio invited us to come and see the brokenness that he grew up in. And in that place, Antonio declared the healing power of Jesus alone to bring reconciliation. And he invited us to participate in that work here and now in our day and in our generation. See, are we willing to cross the cultural boundaries of what's uncomfortable for us, to listen to others' stories, to walk with them into their homes and see the brokenness and the heartache. The second thing that we see in this narrative is that Jesus responds to those who cry out, who are hurting, especially to, for those who cry out for others who are hurting. He, he listens to that. See, he's willing to respond to any who would cry out for those who are broken and in desperate need of his touch. What I'm learning is that as I listen to other pastors in our movement that are, that are part of Christ's body, that are part of the church, and, and I listen to their stories of hurt and pain, the question that Jesus is asking in that moment is, are we willing, am I willing to fight for them like this Roman soldier did for his friend? Am I willing, are you willing to, to come to Jesus on their behalf? To weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn. See, Jesus was willing to cross cultural boundaries. He, was, he responds to the cry of those who are hurting. And the last thing that we see in this narrative that I want to touch on is that Jesus is amazed by this faith. He's, it's, he's just like in wonder. Like, oh, I've never seen anything like this in my entire ministry life. In all the years I've grown up, I've never seen this kind of faith. And this Roman soldier was willing to follow Jesus and just take him on his word. Even though it didn't make any sense in the moment, even though it seems kind of silly to ask, well, no, you don't actually just say the word, Jesus, and my, my servant will be healed. See, Jesus is asking us, are we willing to follow his word even if it doesn't make sense? Is, is his word enough? 
Or, or are you looking for other words to support your word? The thing that you kind of are passionate about. I just, I got to find some other people that agree with me. And it's so easy to get caught up in the, in the rhetoric coming from all sides in our culture today. And it strikes our emotions and it gets us angry and frustrated. And, and listen, I think all of it is a distraction from the one true redeemer and reconciler. The one who can actually bring healing and wholeness to our nation. The one whose word brought life and wholeness and can bring unity and peace for us to run to him. Personally, I've been challenged to go where Jesus went even at the risk of being accused by others of being friends with the quote unquote wrong group of people. I've I've made it you know, I made it in my life's mission ever since I was a young kid to try and live like Jesus. He, he's the one that I've chosen to follow. He's the one that I've chosen to give my life over to. And I've, I've tried to submit my way to his way. And, and I certainly haven't done that perfectly. And I'm finding in this season of my life that, that one of the marks of becoming like Jesus is sometimes we get accused of being friends with the wrong group of people, just like the Pharisees accused Jesus. See, Jesus was willing to walk into the home of a Gentile. His Jewish friends, including Peter, by the way, would disagree with that decision. It's not recorded in the text, but you'd have to know that. that we see that in Peter's, in Peter's initial, in Acts chapter 10, he's like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I mean, God comes to him and says, You're gonna, you need to eat what they eat, what they present to you at Cornelius' house. And Peter's like, not a chance. See, he was opposed to this idea of Jesus walking into a Gentile's home. Because why? Because there were things that were considered unclean in the Jewish tradition that were, that were in that home. Jews couldn't even be near those things. But Jesus shows us through his miracles that he's constantly knocking down old paradigms. He's calling us to a new future. See, what Jesus is doing through this season is giving his church an opportunity to to move out of the margins and back into the neighborhoods. He's inviting his church to, to move from irrelevance back to being relevant, from seeking to get our own way to returning to his way. Three months ago, I told the church that Jesus was was shifting things in the spirit. He was shifting his church from a primarily consumer-oriented culture back to a servant-oriented culture, and and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing, I'm, 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 I've, there's hundreds of people right now gathering in homes, eating meals together, um, growing closer with God and with each other. Um, my wife and I's group starts tonight. It's a handful of 20-somethings. I'm, not, I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that they said yes to coming over to a couple old people's home, but some of them are related to us, so maybe they felt obligated. I don't know, but actually I know why they're coming, because we're willing to listen, and we're willing to have discussions with them about faith, challenging hard conversations that need to happen with this generation. I, I, f- I found out that we have several home, home churches that are open and they're just waiting for Westsiders that feel, when you feel comfortable to, to join up, they're ready uh, to, to invite you. So if, you want, if you're ready to get involved in a home church and you don't have one yet, contact us, us this week and get information on the website about that. But 
You know, over the coming weeks, another shift that I think God is making in his church is that we're going to turn this house, this building, that God has so graciously given to this community of faith. We're going to turn this, this house back into a house of prayer for all nations by creating sacred spaces where you can come and, and simply um, reconnect with God, fellowship with him, take communion, soak in his presence, seek first his kingdom. And we've also truly become a, a church for our city. I mean, this is amazing. I've, as I've seen and been shared earlier during worship, I mean, this is amazing how, how God is opening up doors of opportunity to care for our city and partner with uh, organizations like Neighbor Impact and Aloha, Aloha Produce to provide meals for families. Um, and just hundreds of families are being touched every month. Um, our Latino outreach is, is exploding as we minister to our Spanish-speaking uh, brothers and sisters in our region. I mean, I just more, and it's like this amazing opportunity for us to connect with. I, I know there's opportunities even in the next two weeks to serve our Latino community um, by packing up food boxes, and you can get more information on our website about that as well. But I, I was really excited. About a week and a half ago, I heard about some families that, um, I think about 50 families decided to make care packages, including hand-drawn cards by by some of our little kids here at Westside for police officers in our region, just telling them what we're praying for them. See, the love of God is for everyone, everywhere. There are no boundaries. There are no limitations to his love for our world. And wherever there are limitations, wherever there are boundaries that we've created because of our own stuff, he just like, he just, he's, he's either gonna bull you, just like, walk right over you or he's going to walk around you to care for the needs of our city and our region. That's what he does. He bypasses those who are stuck. There's a picture I saw um, at these board meetings in Dallas that I want to share with you. Maybe you've seen this picture. It's a picture of the Choluca, Choluteca Bridge in Honduras. Um, Hurricane Mitch thundered uh, down in 1998, and it, it, it dumped 75 inches of, of rain in less than uh, three or four days or something like that. And it destroyed all the roads um, and all the bridges in this area except for that bridge. Check that out. And, that, and so when the flood subsided, do you see what happened? When the flood subsided, they saw that the river had shifted. It had changed. It had moved. And so that bridge, man, that, but that bridge is a solidly built bridge. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that thing is not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what comes out of it. That bridge is going to stand there forever and not serve any purpose any longer. Interesting. I just... When I shared the vision two years ago of the rivers of God overflowing the banks of the Deschutes River and, and spreading into every, every area of life, I, I had no idea, I had no idea what God had in mind. I thought it was going to be this something like kind of like this easygoing river, you know, that would kind of flow into people's lives and neighborhoods and, you know, and everything would be just this beautiful, oh, the water's here and I didn't know that he was going to do a brand new thing. I didn't know at the time that it was going to, he was going to divert the water around his church that has gotten stuck, 
that is holding on to so many old traditions that they're not able to see a fresh move of God's spirit in their generation. See, he's calling his church to cross cultural boundaries, to respond to those who are truly hurting, to have faith that what Jesus has started, he will complete, to go where he's leading. I want to be part of what he's doing. I don't, want to, I don't want to exist to prop up some old way that hasn't been working and to follow the river of God's life and love into this world. To follow him wherever he leads, to whomever he sends me to, to a Roman soldier that I have nothing in common with, to the Gentiles who don't even believe what I believe, to the suffering, to the brokenhearted, to those who are grieving, to those who are confused and hurting. Pastor Herman, another pastor I met at the board meetings this past week said this. If we choose to fight a fight that God is in, be sure to choose the side God is on. Let's pray. Jesus, wherever you lead, we will follow. Wherever you send us, we will go. Whatever you call us to, we will respond. I want to pray the prayer of Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 6. And if you want to pray this prayer of of commitment to the will of God, to let your life follow his way. If you want to say, here I am, God, send me. Would you simply right now, right where you're at, just put your hands out in front of you. And would you say that prayer with me? God, here I am. Send me. Use me. Open my eyes to see what you see to do what you're doing. My life is submitted to you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing through Westside Church, through the many churches in our community. Lord, would there be fresh, a fresh breath of your spirit blowing over our communities and over this region, over this nation and our world. We need the breath of your spirit in this moment, now more than ever. We follow you, Jesus. We keep our eyes on you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you on the daily devotions starting tomorrow morning.